So let's go ahead and bow our heads for another word of prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much again for your holy word. Lord, we pray that as we look at this very important topic of the second coming of Jesus, Lord, that we would sense the nearness of time, that we would understand, Lord, how you're coming back, Lord, as you revealed in your holy word. Lord, help us to not be confused on this issue, Lord, but help us to see the truth as it is in your word, Lord, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. What time is it? There's a group of thought leaders, scientists, and Nobel Prize winners who control what's known as the Doomsday Clock. Have any of you heard of the Doomsday Clock before? Okay. Well, the Doomsday Clock is a reflection of where these thought leaders believe we are in Earth's history in relation to a coming global catastrophe. It is thought right now that we are now two and a half minutes to midnight. And just to give you a comparison, in 2016, we were three minutes to midnight, according to them. Unfortunately, that is the sad state of our world, friends, that even secular people think that something bad is up. Yes, friends, it is sad that many people look towards the end of the world in a very hopeless way. However, when we study the Bible, we see that the end of the world is actually the greatest event in all of human history. Jesus spoke about it in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Here Jesus tells his disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. That's good news, isn't it, friends? When you think about the end of the world and all the things that are going to take place, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house. Friends, where is his Father? In heaven. That's where his house is. And he says right there, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Friends, how is he preparing a place for us? Is he up there building mansions for us? Well, no, actually, there, the Bible says that there are already mansions there. So they are already there for us. Or a better translation would be dwelling places. Friends, whether it is a mansion or whether it is just a dwelling place, I will be happy to be there. How about you? Friends, the mansions are already there. There is room for you. So how is Jesus preparing a place for us? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, that is, not an earthly sanctuary, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, into the heavenly sanctuary that we looked at in previous presentations, now to appear in the presence of God for who? For us. Friends, Christ is there in the most holy place representing us in the judgment. He's there for us, blotting out our sins. We saw this extensively in our presentation on prophecies, judgment hour. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Friends, that is good news. He is always, he he lives always to make intercession for us. He is preparing a place for us in heaven by interceding for us as our high priest in heaven. Jesus continues in John chapter 14, verse 3. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? I will come again. Friends, that is a promise you can claim. Amen. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. 
So there it is, friends. Christ has promised that he will come again. He wants you to be there with him forever. And soon, friends, he will come. Amen? And he will rescue us from this world of sin and suffering and death. There is something to be happy about as Christians. Amen? The second coming of Jesus is a very big deal all throughout Scripture. In fact, it's estimated that it's mentioned over 2,500 times throughout the Bible. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, Paul describes the second coming as the Christian's blessed hope. It says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And friends, believers have been looking forward to the blessed hope ever since. When Jesus returns, there will be no more devastating tornadoes. There will be no more terrible weather-related events. There will, when Jesus comes back, he will put an end to those kinds of tragedies. There will no longer be starving children wondering where their next meal is coming from. There will no longer be school shootings. There will be no more terrorism, no more violence and blood flowing in the streets. One day, it will all be done. Hallelujah. No more illness, no more disease, no more cancer, no more heart disease, no strokes, and no more diabetes. There will be no more wheelchairs and no more crutches and no more broken homes. No more marriages that are falling apart, no more divorce, no more child abuse. There won't be any more death. Hallelujah. No more funerals, no more funerals, no more goodbyes, no more. Friends, one day Jesus is going to come back and it will all be done. And friends, I cannot wait for that day. How about you? Now, some people call this event of the second coming, they call it the rapture. And if you look in your Bible, you will not find the word rapture there, just like you will not find the word trinity in the Bible or the word millennium. However, you will find the concepts there. The word rapture means a snatching up or a carrying away. And surely when Jesus comes back, his people will be caught up to meet him in the air. Unfortunately, though, the sad reality is that most people are not going to be ready when Jesus comes again, just like in Noah's day. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, the Bible says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now with all the people alive in Noah's day, how many people got on the ark? Eight, Eight people. Only eight out of all of the many people that lived in the time before the flood. There was a lot of people, friends, during that time, but only eight were saved. Now, friends, we have over seven and a half billion people on this planet, and I'm afraid that the vast majority will be lost. Not because God is not trying to save them. No, friends, God is doing everything that he can to save as many people as possible. But it's because they reject him and they reject his word and they've chosen to go their own way. That's why people will be lost. Yet, friends, it does not have to be that way. There is still time for people to give their lives over to Christ. Amen? Amen. And, and, and we have loved ones. We have friends. We have neighbors that need to know the Lord. Amen? Amen? And we need to pray for them as Christians. We need to pray for them as brothers and sisters that they will choose Christ in the time that we have left. And friends, we don't know how much time we have left, do we? But we know that we have today. We've seen that Jesus is coming soon, and we long for that day. But how will Jesus come back? Will it be a secret coming, as some say? 
Will it be a spiritual coming, as others say, or will it be a literal coming? Well, friends, what are we going to do tonight? We're going to go to the Bible. Amen? Amen. We're going to go to the Bible because that's where we get our answers, friends. That is God's word. Acts chapter 1 records the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 9 says, Now when he, that is Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, that is his disciples watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sights. Now keep those two words in mind, cloud and sight. We'll notice them in a lot of verses that we look at here tonight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, saying, who, said, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, friends, there are actually some people who say that Jesus is not coming back literally, but that he's coming back spiritually. Have you ever met someone that believes that way? Okay, well, one day I was in Fresno, California. I was there uh, studying at the community college, and, and one day I was kind of bored. I had, I had just watched a presentation on YouTube, I believe, and, and I, I heard about this really strange religion that I'd never heard of called Baha'i. Anybody heard of that? It's very different, very, very different. And so I decided to call them up one day and ask them what they believe. And so I got on the phone, called them up, and I said, yeah, I'm just curious to know what you guys believe. And, um, and they said, well, what, what religion are you? I said, well, I'm a Christian. And they, and they said, oh, well, is there any denomination that you worship with? And I said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And they said, oh, well, we have a lot in common with Seventh-day Adventists. And I was like, okay, really? <laughs> what do you have in common with us? Well, they said, well, 1844, we believe that Jesus came spiritually in 1844. And I was like, hmm, that is different. We don't believe that. <laughs> we don't believe that he came spiritually in 1844. Anyways, the person was a little bit confused, but uh, that was, the, that was the, the instance that I met people that believe that Jesus already came spiritually in the form of some guy. I can't even remember his name. Uh, you have to look it up sometime. But anyways, very strange. Some people believe that. But the Bible points, that, points out that Christ will come back literally, friends. And uh, one of the words that it uses to show that it is a literal coming is the word parousia. Now, that is a Greek word there, and it's translated coming in our English Bibles in many of the second coming passages. For instance, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, Jesus looked, the disciples asked Jesus this. He said, they said, what will be the sign of your coming? That is parousia and of the end of the age. Now, parousia refers to a literal coming, not a spiritual coming. Uh, and we can see an example of this in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17, the Bible says, Paul says, I am glad about the coming, that is the parousia, of Stephanus and my other friends. So Paul was glad that his friends were coming to visit him. So here we see it was used in a literal way. His, his friends were literally coming to the area and Paul was happy about that. So the second coming is not a spiritual or symbolic coming. It is a literal coming. And because Christ's coming is a literal event, Satan desires to deceive people by impersonating Christ's literal return. Jesus warns us about this deception in Matthew chapter 24, verse 23. It says, Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. 
For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So Jesus told us beforehand because he does not want the elect to be deceived. He does not want his people to be deceived in these last days. Friends, the deceptions at the end time will be so great, so convincing, that the elect could be deceived if they are not paying attention, if they are not studying God's word, if they are not in daily communion with God. Jesus continues, he says, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he, that is Jesus, is in the desert, do not go out. And look, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Friends, if the media reports that Christ is in Seattle or Portland, don't believe it. It's fake news. It is fake news. It is an impersonation. It is not Christ. It would be someone else, friends. It would be the devil impersonating Christ, counterfeiting Christ's coming. When Jesus comes the second time, he does not come to walk on this earth. He comes to rescue his people and take them home. Friends, we don't want to stay on this planet any longer than we have to. Amen? Christ wants to take us to a better place and he wants to recreate this world. Notice what Jesus says in Mark chapter 13, verse 26. Then they will see, the, will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. So friends, when Jesus comes, he will come with all of his angels and he will come with clouds. He's not coming down to preach on TV. He's not coming down to do interviews with Megan Kelly or Anderson Cooper. That is not the purpose of him coming. He doesn't come to live and walk on this earth again. Notice his angels will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth. And where are they being gathered to, friends? They're being gathered to Jesus to go home with him to his father's house. And friends, when we compare scripture with scripture, we see that prior to being taken up to heaven, Paul writes that God's people or his elect will be caught up together by angels in the clouds, it says, to meet the Lord in the air. So friends, Jesus doesn't come down to earth to walk on this earth. He comes to rescue his people. It's a quick rescue operation. We're simply caught up to meet him by the angels. So don't fall for the devil's counterfeit coming. Don't go to hear him even if you see that miracles are taking place because the devil can work false miracles. Did you know that? So we've seen so far that the return of Jesus will be a literal event. Christ is coming back in the same way that he went up. He's coming in clouds and he's coming with his angels. Notice what Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says about the second coming of Jesus. It says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Friends, with every eye seeing the return of Christ, it will be a very visible event, right? It will be very visible. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 30, Jesus says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then how many? All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they, that is, all the tribes of the earth, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with what? Power and great glory. So notice, friends, that they all see him 
when he comes. No tribe or people group will be left out. All seven plus billion or however many people are alive on this planet when Jesus comes will see him come. And no, friends, Christ does not need the media to make that happen. Amen? He does not need to, to be on all the TV stations. God has a way to make it happen. Amen? He spoke the world into existence, and I think he can make every eye see him. Amen? He knows all, that all the people on the earth will see him when he comes. Just a few verses earlier, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus says this, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, is lightning visible? Yes. Of course it is. Friends, there is no way that anyone is going to miss the return of Jesus. All the tribes of the earth will see it, the Bible says. So, so far we've seen that the return of Christ is going to be both literal and it's also going to be visible. How else will Christ come? The Bible says in Psalm 50 verse 3, Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. Friends, there will be nothing silent or secret about the second coming of Jesus. The Bible says a fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. Does that sound silent or secret? No, it does not. Paul also describes how loud Christ's coming will be. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, he writes, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now notice it's not a whisper, it's a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Now did anybody here ever used to play the trumpet? Okay, there's one, there's three actually, this is great. So is the trumpet a loud or quiet instrument? Oh. It is a loud instrument. Did your mom or dad ever get mad at you if, if you played at the wrong time of the day? Maybe, huh? Well, the second coming is going to be a loud event, friends. The trumpet of God will sound. And, and the Bible says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, those that have died having a relationship with Christ, they will go up first. So friends, this shout, this voice, this trumpet blast is going to be so loud that it's going to wake the dead in Christ. It's going to wake them up. And then the Bible says, then we who are alive, and friends, hopefully that will be all of us. Amen? Amen. I want to be alive when Jesus comes back. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. That is, the dead in Christ. They rise first, right? We just saw that. And then we all meet in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. So when Jesus comes back, the he calls the dead up in Christ first, and then those who are alive, hopefully that will be all of us, will meet him in the clouds and will meet him in the air. And then by the grace of God, friends, we are out of here and we will say goodbye to this old planet. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says, thus we shall always be with the Lord. I cannot wait. So the return of Jesus will be literal. It will also be visible and it will be audible. You will definitely hear the return of Christ. But friends, it gets even better than that. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. It says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Friends, Christ came quietly once before in a very humble way, but the second time he's coming in all of his glory with all of his holy angels. What a sight it will be, friends. Look again at the last part here of Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Jesus says, 
and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with what? Power and great glory. So friends, Christ is coming back with all his power and with great glory. And the good news, friends, is that he has power to resurrect. Amen? He has power to give us new life, new, new bodies. He has power to deliver his people. And praise God that he comes with power. For he has all powerful. He, he has all power, friends. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Friends, don't be ashamed of Christ and his words. Don't be ashamed of him. Friends, we are living in a sinful and adulterous generation that mocks at God and it mocks at his holy word. A a generation that denies that God created the world in six days. But friends, we need a generation of Christ followers that will stand up and be unashamed for Christ. Amen? Amen. We need to unashamedly stand for the truth, even when it's not popular, even in the face of persecution. Because when we stand up for truth, we are standing up for Christ. We are standing up for Christ when we stand up for the truth. So friends, just to review, when we come, when Jesus comes back, it will be a glorious event. It will be literal, it will be visible, and it will be audible. What an event this will be, friends. I cannot wait. The people who have waited so long to see their Savior are going to see him come back in power and majesty. Friends, Christ comes to resurrect the righteous dead, and he comes to resurrect, or uh, to rescue the righteous living. And uh, we can definitely look forward to that event. Now, obviously, friends, we do not know exactly when Christ will return. But as we saw in our second presentation in this series, that Christ gave us many signs to look for. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 33. He said, when you see all these things, know that it is near. That is, my coming is near at the doors, Christ says. In Matthew 24, 42, Jesus gave us some very serious counsel. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know at what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be what? Ready. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Friends, if you know what hour the thief is coming, you watch, don't you? You stay up. You watch and you stand guard there at your house. You make preparations and you get ready. And Jesus said, be ready. But we can't be lackadaisical about it. Because, friends, Christ is really coming back. And whenever that is, we need to be ready. I want to look now at an idea that is often misunderstood, and that is this idea that Jesus is coming as a thief. Let's look carefully at this verse that people sometimes get a bit confused on. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that is the day Jesus comes, the day so comes as a thief in the night. Now think about this. With all the texts that we've looked at, so far here tonight, describing the coming of Christ. Can you imagine Christ coming as a thief in the night? 
We saw that he comes back with a shout, that he comes back with a trumpet blast. Now, what kind of thief shows up at your house late at night and shouts and blows the trumpet? None, right? Unless they want to get caught. That's not how thieves operate. But notice, it's not Jesus who comes back as a thief. It's the day of the Lord that comes as a thief. And that's because it will catch so many people by surprise. Why is that? Because they're not watching. They're not watching. They're not, they're not ready. They're not paying attention to the signs. The question here is a question of readiness. It's a question about the day of the Lord and when it comes. It shows that his coming will be unexpected by many, just like a thief in the night. So when the Bible talks about a thief, it's talking about the time that Christ comes, not the manner in which he comes. He is coming at a time when people do not expect him because they aren't watching. They're not paying attention to the signs. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, Peter also compares the day of the Lord coming like a thief. It says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Notice it's not a quiet secret event. And the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it, will be burned up. Friends, we need to watch and we need to be alert, preparing to meet Jesus when he returns. Yet we must never set a date for the coming of Christ. Amen? Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. He says, But of that day and hour knows no one. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but who? My Father only. So friends, we cannot predict when Christ will return we definitely should not set dates, but we can know when it is near. Amen? It continues. It says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And friends, what were the days of Noah like? Well, on our first night of our meetings here at Discover Prophecy, we saw that the days of Noah were very wicked. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. How often? Continually. Continually. Genesis chapter 6, 11 says, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with what? With violence. With violence. Friends, is our day like Noah's day? Absolutely it is. Our passage in Matthew continues. Here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 38, it says, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, Notice that it was business as usual, right? Until when? Until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And what did the flood waters do to them, friends? It destroyed them, right? It destroyed them. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be, the Bible says. Friends, in Noah's day, everybody was invited on the ark. Noah preached for 120 years. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. A few got on, but most did not, friends. Those on the ark were saved, and those that did not get on the ark were lost. There wasn't a second chance after that door on the ark closed. Now remember, friends, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So the Bible is very clear on what happens when Jesus comes back. Some will be saved and some will be lost. 
There will not be a second chance after Christ comes back. But some, some may wonder, what about the verse that talks about the so-called secret rapture that everyone is talking about? Don't people get a second chance there with that? Well, friends, let's, like, let's take a look at that passage that is often misinterpreted. Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 to 42. The Bible says, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Where will the righteous be taken to heaven, friends? Where will the righteous be taken? They will be taken to heaven. That's right. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. It's also found the same similar passage here in a corresponding, uh, in the, the other gospel here, Luke chapter 17, verse 34 says, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. So where will the wicked be left at the coming of Jesus? Well, it's a good question. The disciples also wondered this question. And in verse 37, they, they said to Jesus, Where, Lord? Where will the wicked be left? And he said to them, Where the corpses, there the vultures will gather. So the wicked will be left dead on this earth during the 1,000-year millennium. We'll talk more about that next Friday night, actually. So you won't want to miss it. So here we come. Uh, so here we see two people with the same advantages, the same situation, the same privileges, the same standing in life, one is taken and one is left. Like Noah's day, that means one is saved and one is lost. The one that is taken is saved and the one that is left is lost. So the danger of this secret rapture theory is that it gives people a false sense of security. They may think that if they aren't a part of this so-called secret rapture, they can just get their act together over the next seven years of tribulation that everyone talks about and be saved. But let me illustrate the danger of this secret rapture theory in this way. Let's say you lived in a big city. Maybe you lived in Chicago, or maybe you lived in Seattle or New York City, and uh, you had to catch the bus to work every day. And if you happen to miss the first bus, it's okay. If you just wait a few minutes, you can catch the next bus, right? Not a big deal. But unfortunately, friends, there are some people who feel that way about the second coming of Jesus. They've been told that if you're not ready when Jesus comes back, that's okay because there will be another coming seven years from now after the tribulation. That is that that Christ will come back for certain saved saints after the seven-year tribulation. But friends, the only person that really wants you to believe this, that it's okay to not be ready when Jesus comes back, would be who? Satan. Satan, the devil. He's the one who says, take your time, kick back, relax, do your thing, don't be so uptight. You've got a second chance. And to some extent, friends, you do have a second chance. The second chance was when you woke up this morning. Amen? If you woke up this morning and you were not surrendered to Jesus, Jesus gave you a second chance. And he's given you another opportunity today to know that he is a God of love and that your sins can be forgiven. It's another opportunity to show that by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you can have the gift of salvation. You can be confident of 
your assurance with God, friends. But to be clear, there is not a second chance after Christ returns. The secret rapture is not a biblical concept, friends. And actually, it's a very relatively recent belief. Not one of the Protestant reformers ever believed in the secret rapture. People will either be lost or saved when Jesus returns. Those who are taken are taken to heaven. And those who are left are destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Jesus was telling us simply that there will be two groups of people when he comes back. There will be the righteous and there will also be the wicked. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus calls the righteous sheep and the unrighteous goats. He says this, he says, All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left so the sheep go to heaven and the goats will be destroyed by hellfire and revelation chapter 22 verse 11 tells us what will be announced right before jesus comes back he will say this he who is unjust let him be unjust still he who is filthy let him be filthy still He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. In other words, friends, when this announcement is made, time is up. Your eternal destiny is sealed at this point. The judgment is finished. And by that time, friends, everyone will have made their decision either for Christ or against Christ. And when this pronouncement is made, the very next event that happens is the coming of Christ. The very next verse says, And behold, I am coming, how? Quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Friends, God doesn't want us to waste the opportunities that we have to know him. Make the most of every opportunity. He doesn't want us to be lost, but he wants us to be saved. It is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, the Bible says. He wants us to yield our heart to him and live lives that are connected to God. Enjoy the light of his presence on a moment-by-moment basis. That's what we can have, friends. We don't have to look forward uh, with woe and concern. We aren't doomsday clock watchers expecting the world to end in catastrophe. No, friends, we look forward to the blessed hope. It is the blessed hope for us. Amen? Will there be times of tribulation ahead? Yes, there will, friends. There will be times of tribulation ahead. The Bible looks forward and says that there is a time of trouble coming such as never was since there was a nation. That's true, friends, but do we worry about that? Do we fear that? Of course we do not, friends. All throughout Scripture we see examples of the Lord saving his people through tribulation, not from it. Noah was saved was not saved from the flood, but he went through the flood. Daniel was saved not from the lions, but through the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not saved from the fiery furnace, but they were saved through the fiery furnace. And you know what? God was there with them. Jesus was there, that fourth person in the fire. And friends, the good news is is that Jesus will go through the tribulation with us. Amen? We don't have to go through it alone. The children of Israel were not saved from Egypt before the plagues fell, but afterward. And God demonstrated his love and power by preserving them in Egypt through the ten plagues. 
And in the same way, the righteous will be in the world when the seven last plagues fall. But God will protect his people. In fact, Revelation chapter 15, verse 8 tells us this. It says the temple was filled with smoke. That is, the temple in heaven was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So Christ will not come until the seven plagues, seven last plagues are completed. Then Christ will come and he will raise the righteous dead and those who are alive will be caught up to meet the Lord. Where? In the air, the Bible says. And then the righteous will enter the temple in heaven with Christ. And friends, God will be with his people. He will be with his people through the tribulation and he will protect them. So just to review here one last time, we've seen tonight that Christ's coming will be literal. Just as he literally went up to heaven in clouds with his angels, he is literally coming back to this earth with angels and he's coming uh, to rescue us, friends. And secondly, we've seen that his coming will be a visible coming. The Bible says in Revelation 1-7 that every eye will see him. And third, we've seen tonight that his coming will be an audible coming. It, he comes with a shout, with the blast of a trumpet, and there will be a great earthquake. And fourth, it will be a glorious event. When Christ comes, he is coming in all of his glory and in all of his power and with all of his holy angels, friends. So we've also seen tonight that when Jesus comes back, there will be just two groups of people on this planet. There will be no more people that are on the fence, but there will be two sides. One group who has given their life to Christ and the other group that has not. Revelation chapter 6 tells us how the lost will respond when Christ comes. And it says this, my prayer is that none of us will have this experience. None of us will say what these people say. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Friends, the wicked cannot stand in the presence of of a holy God. And so they cry out for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them. They want to hide from God. They want to hide from his wrath because they know that they have rejected his love time and time and time again. But friends, there is good news. There is another group. There is the saved. Those that have chosen to follow Christ and be 100% committed to him. And Isaiah describes how the righteous will respond when Jesus returns. And I hope and pray that all of us will say this when Jesus comes. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Friends, do you want to say that when Christ comes? Amen. Amen. I hope and pray all of us do. Friends, Jesus is really coming back soon. It is certain. And he's not coming back silently. When the king of the universe comes to this earth, the heavens will depart as a scroll, the Bible says. It will be anything but secret. Everyone will know that he is king of kings and that he is lord of lords. 
but the variable in all of this is you and me. Will we be ready for that time or not? Being ready is the easiest thing you ever did, friends. Being ready is saying yes to the Lord with all of your known choices. Just say yes to Jesus and commit your way to him, friends. Jesus said this in John 6, 37, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. That is good news, friends, isn't it? You can come to Jesus tonight. Jesus is waiting with open arms to receive you. Each day, friends, let us surrender our lives into the hands of God. We wait and we wait. Will it ever happen, friends? Yes, it will. The question is, is will you be ready? How many of you want to be ready when Jesus comes back? Amen. Friends, by daily surrendering your lives to him and and by God's grace and by his mercy, you will be ready. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that you promised to come again. And Lord, we know that you are preparing a place for us right now. Lord, you're representing us in heaven's final judgment. And Lord, one day soon you're going to wrap things up, Lord, and that you're going to come and you're going to rescue us from this sin-filled, wicked world. And Lord, we pray that we would be ready for that day. Lord, help us to watch. Help us to keep watch and to be ready. Lord, help us to pay attention to the signs. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, the wind and the waves may be coming and crashing all around us. Lord, the the winds of false doctrine, Lord, all these terrible wars and, and all these things happening, Lord, it can be a huge distraction. But Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you through it all. And Lord, we pray that when you come back, that we could say, Lo, this is our God. Lord, we have waited for you, and he will save us. Lord, come and save us, Father. Please, Lord, do whatever it takes in our lives, Lord, to help us to be ready for that event. Lord, help us to say yes to you with all of our known choices. Lord, help us to surrender to you daily. Help us to live for you, Jesus, because you died for us. And Lord, we want to respond to that love tonight by living and dedicating our lives to you 100%. Lord, this is our prayer. This is our desire, Lord. And Lord, we also pray for our family. Lord, we pray for our friends. We pray for our neighbors, our coworkers. And Lord, we pray even for our enemies that may not know you, Lord, that may not have a relationship with you at this time. Lord, we pray that you would work in their lives, Lord, that you would continue to reach out to them and and that you would wake them up, Lord, with these signs that are taking place. And Lord, I pray that you would use even us to be a blessing to them, that you would use us to even point them to you. Lord, what a privilege we have to be co-laborers with you. Lord, give us the courage. Lord, give us the boldness to speak a word for you. And Lord, we thank you so much, Father, that one day soon we will look up and we will see you come in all of your glory. Lord, we long for that day. Lord, help us to be ready. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.